Let us pray. <clears throat> God of us all, take our ears and hear through them, and take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen. So, we are almost to Christmas, right? This morning we've heard Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus. Uh, tonight at Christmas Eve, we'll hear the rest of the story. The angels, the shepherds, the magi, the wise ones from the east. And then tomorrow, we will join the church in the world to celebrate the birth of Jesus. It is a winsome story, a story full of wonder and joy and beauty. These last few weeks on Sundays, we've been talking about our senses, so taste and smell and hearing and touch, and how our senses draw us into the season of Advent, how they draw us into the celebration of Christmas. Well, this morning, I want to talk about our sense of sight. And I wonder how, when you hear this story of the Nativity, uh, I wonder what you, uh, with your mind's eye, see. And more specifically, what does the Holy Child look like? For you. See, with my mind's eye, I see a cherubic little one. I see a baby who looks like the beautiful infants of our lives. I see Jesus in a manger, uh, no crying he makes, Jesus asleep on the hay. I see an image that looks like this one. Okay, Jesus is a little block there. <laughs> this is a painting by a Dutch artist, Jacob von Oost. It's from the 1600s. And uh, Jesus in this painting is positively beatific. Now this painting is from the Renaissance era. But if you were to see this painting in a museum or a painting like it in the museum, you'd be in the Renaissance wing. If you were to walk over a little ways into the galleries of the Middle Ages, you would see very different images. You would see paintings like this one. Yikes! <laughs> or maybe this one. Wow. Or one more. <laughs> in the paintings of the Middle Ages, and there's no polite way to put this, Jesus is an ugly baby. Every time I walk through those galleries and see one of these paintings, it is surprising, it is jolting, it is unsettling and it's kind of puzzling. Why did they paint the infant Jesus to look like this? Now, I mean, granted, not every baby is beautiful. You know, when you meet new parents with their newborn, you always say the baby's beautiful, but honestly, sometimes too much hair, not enough hair, kind of a pointy head. I mean, they all eventually become beautiful, but not every baby's beautiful. But in these paintings, Jesus is like notably ugly. And the question is, why is Jesus repeatedly painted this way in the Middle Ages. Because here's another one. Wow. And, uh, and here's another one. I mean, yikes. Uh, wow, 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 wow. And, and when I look at that one, I think maybe the guy was just a bad painter. But look at Mary. I mean, that's a, that's a nice representation of Mary. And that's the thing. These are not bad painters. These are paintings that hang in museums and churches and monasteries. Here's one from... Um, well, that's a little dark, but it's from uh, 1333. It's Veneziano's Madonna with Child. And if you can see clearly enough, I mean, Jesus has a five o'clock shadow in that painting. <laughs> so one more. Uh, this one's from the 1400s, uh, Jacopo Bellini. Jesus, I mean, he's got a receding hairline. 
And then, uh, and then one more from 1350. This is the Madonna of Vivari. It's painted by, quote, the master of the V.C. Brood altar. But when I look closely at that, Jesus looks like he's just really late for an important meeting. And can we move this thing along? Let's get going. So why? Why in these paintings that celebrate this wondrous story does Jesus look like this? Well, it's not an accident. In the Middle Ages uh, in Europe, so that was up to about the year 1450, most paintings, most sculptures were commissioned by the church. And uh, this is according to Matthew Avert, who's an art historian at Creighton University. The church uh, leaders, they were not interested in portraying realistic images. They were interested in portraying faithful theology. Not babies, but beliefs. And they believed that Jesus, even as an infant, was perfectly formed and unchanging. They believed that Jesus was born already grown, all-knowing, and ready to change the world. And there's a word for this. It's a Latin word. It's the idea of the homunculus. It's a Latin word that means literally little man. So they believed that even as an infant, Jesus had all the attributes, all the wisdom, all the power of a fully formed God, man, and that's why Jesus looks like an ugly little baby. He's got the body of a baby, but he's got the face of a middle-aged man. And as a middle-aged man, frankly, I'm a little offended by some of these paintings. <laughs> now, this started to change in, in the Renaissance. You know, the Renaissance artists started looking back to the classical images of, of Greece and Rome, and so they began to value realism and naturalism. And the other thing is, there's an emerging class of families that could afford to commission painters themselves. They did not want their... Uh, paintings of their, of their kids to look like this. They wanted them to look like, like kids. And so you ended up, that, that then influenced the way that painters painted the Holy Family. And so one more. So this is from Raphael. This is from 1506. And he captures more of the warmth and the beauty of the Holy Family. So looking back, we can uh, laugh at those paintings of the Middle Ages. But here's the thing. Those earlier artists tapped into something that's still true. We still want a grown-up God, not a baby. We want a God who is in charge, a God who is powerful, a God who can fix our lives. We want to say a prayer and have a God who can move heaven and earth on our behalf. We want a God who, in the classic language of theology, is omniscient and omnipotent, all-knowing and all-powerful. We want a God who will make all those well-intended sayings come true. We want a God who really is in control, a God who won't give us more than we can handle, even though we've known people, and maybe we are someone who's got more than they could handle and certainly more than they could deserve. Now, I want to be clear. God is powerful. I believe that in the beginning, the creative power of God called the heavens and the earth into being. I believe that one day the redeeming power of God will make all things whole and holy. God is powerful. But it is a different kind of power. And it's that kind of power that's present in this story today. God who comes to us, the Christ born in Bethlehem, is not a little grown-up God-man, but a baby. Not mighty and strong and omnipotent, but small and tenuous and vulnerable, and that makes all the difference. The Christ child is vulnerable because love is vulnerable. 
And that's the power, that's the hope, that's the good news of this story. God is love. And so God comes to us in the only way that love can come to any of us. Completely vulnerable. Christ is born not a perfectly formed, unchanging little man, but as a little baby. And every child is vulnerable. Some children are born to privilege and comfort. Not this child. Jesus, the story of Jesus' birth accentuates his vulnerability. Jesus was born to Mary and Joseph, peasants living in an occupied land, parents who'd been dislocated. Their family would be forced to flee political persecution. That sounds like a story straight out of the news today. And the first people to hear the news are also vulnerable. The first people to hear are the shepherds living um, in their fields, living outside. Not prominent, powerful people, but poor, low, uneducated shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night. And in the story that we'll hear tonight, Luke tells us, from Luke chapter 2, that they were terrified. I mean, the night sky lights up with angels singing. That would put a fright in most of us. But what frightened them most was the invitation to visit the child. I mean, this baby really is a savior, the Messiah, the Lord. Then what business do they have making a royal visit? What reason do they have to believe that they will be welcomed? Well, in the story that Luke tells, there's, there's an odd little detail, and it's so familiar that sometimes we overlook it or take it for granted. Um, the angel says to the shepherds, this will be a sign for you. You'll find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger lying in a feeding trough for livestock. Well, if you're a shepherd, you know a little something about mangers, don't you? In other words, they will find this extraordinary child in an ordinary peasant's home, a home a lot like theirs. God is with us. God is with all of us. The love of God was born to us and for us in this vulnerable Christ child. This is the power of God. Not the power of might and force and violence, but it's the power of love. That's the power of God that will make the world whole. In fact, it's the only power that can, because only love can forgive and heal and make the world right and just and holy. And it's the power of God's love that can make us right and just and holy. God is vulnerable enough to love you, to love me, Love us all. And to be sure, love is always risky. I mean, no one can ever be forced to love or to be loved. We can force people to do a lot of things, but all the might in the world can't make anyone love. We can always walk away from love. We can always ignore it. We can always reject it. And so when we risk love, we take a chance. And that's what happens to the child born in Bethlehem. Jesus will grow up to embody the love of God. He will forgive people and heal people and save people. He will break down barriers to welcome people. He will teach us that we're to love neighbors. We're to love people that are different from us. We're to love even our enemies. And finally, what he teaches will so upset the system, the powers that be will arrest him. His friends will abandon him. He'll be crucified. He'll be killed. I mean, that's the risk that God takes. God is vulnerable enough to love you. God takes a risk on loving us. The good news is that God raised Christ from the dead, that God's love is stronger than hatred, 
stronger than violence, stronger even than death. God's love is persistent and enduring and limitless. The question is, can you say yes? Can you say yes to the love of God? Can you say yes to this holy child born to Mary? This beautiful baby will grow up. And one day uh, later, his parents are bringing their children to him, and his disciples are trying their best to shoo them away. Jesus will say, and this comes from later in Matthew, Matthew 19, Let the little children come to me, and do not stop them, for it's to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. We have said yes to Jesus. We have known the love of God in our lives. We are compelled to love the ones that Jesus loves, especially the most vulnerable ones, especially children. We're to love our own children, which sounds obvious, and it should be obvious. But if you've had children, maybe you've experienced what I experienced when our daughters were younger, and that is, I would look down at them and think, how can I love these two so much and they still drive me so crazy? <laughs> and our two are back in the back right now and they still drive me a little bit crazy. <laughs> but that's sort of the point. I mean, love is a choice that we have to make day after day after day. It's a choice we make in the words we use, what we do with our time, the way we spend our money. We're to love our own children. Jesus compels us as well, though, to love all the little children of the world. I mean, there are children in our city who are vulnerable. Kids who are at risk, who are living outside, kids who are hungry. There are children at our border who are vulnerable. They're fleeing violence or poverty. Nowhere else to go. There are children who are vulnerable in the Congo in Sudan, in Haiti, in Ukraine, vulnerable to war and famine and illness. And today especially, we're mindful of children in Gaza, children in the West Bank. Here's another picture. Uh, let's go to the next one. Perhaps you've seen this picture. It was taken by Munter Isaac uh, this Christmas. He's the academic dean at Bethlehem Bible College. This year in Bethlehem, this year in the place that Jesus was born, there will be no celebration of Christmas, not amidst the death and the destruction of war. We who follow Jesus are compelled to love all the little children of the world. And so in Advent, we've had our Advent giving tree, collecting supplies to support street groups, which helps people and families who are living outside or living on the edge here in Portland. Uh, this week, 30 PMCers went to the office of one of our local representatives to demand a ceasefire and a free flow of humanitarian aid and an end to funding for the IDF. And tonight at our service, we'll take an offering, a Christmas Eve offering, all of it will go to MCC, Mennonite Central Committee, to support the relief work that they are doing and intending to do in Gaza and the West Bank and in southern Lebanon. And you can read more about that in the bulletin as well. In whatever way you can, let the love of God, the risky, vulnerable love of God, born to us in Christ, be born in you. Sometimes when I've seen some of those images uh, from the Middle Ages of Jesus, um, I found myself wondering what a modern-day Madonna and child might look like, what the love of God might look like. And uh, I remembered a picture that I saw in the paper quite a while ago. This is back when people still got papers delivered to their front door. I cut it out. I don't, I don't even know what year it's from, and I kept it. And it's this picture. It's a picture of Mother Teresa and a baby. And what caught my eye was, was the vulnerability of the child and the care of the saint. 
of course, Mother Teresa was a remarkable woman, but it's not just Mother Teresa and it's not even just women. As, as Meister Eckhart reminds us, we are all meant to be mothers of God, for God is always needing to be born. We're all meant to carry the love of God. We're all meant to give birth to the love of God and to tend the love of God in the world. We're all meant to be mothers of God, for God is always needing to be born. And so as we prepare to celebrate Christmas, open your hearts, open your minds, your souls, open your bodies to God who has come to us. With glad and grateful hearts, uh, let us now uh, sing together a favorite carol of mine, Infant Holy, Infant Lowly, it's number 243.